It's time for another episode of Corner of the Galaxy from the Box. The show that gets you behind the scenes of the LA Galaxy and into the minds of soccer reporters and MLS experts. Your hosts for the day are Corner of the Galaxy's Josh Gessman and LA Times soccer reporter Kevin Baxter. Let's start the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Corner of the Galaxy from the box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. I'm your host, Josh Guessman. Uh, coming to you, uh, of course, from Corner of the Galaxy Studios. And Mr. Kevin Baxter is way, 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 way west of here. Uh, he's in Russia, and we actually made a connection. And actually, the connection may be better than whenever we do it here in the United States. So there's a win for us already. Uh, early on a Monday morning as we're recording, the LA Galaxy get a 3-0 win over Real Salt Lake. We're going to talk about that. Plus, we're going to get Kevin's uh, uh, general thoughts on Russia, the World Cup, and everything that's happening over there. So we have a bunch to talk about, but uh, of course, it wouldn't be a, a good morning if we didn't say hello to the panda himself off in uh, near Red Square in Moscow there. Hey, uh, Kevin, how's it going, buddy? Dobre utra, comrade Pato. Ah, see, you've, you've, already, you've already broken out the Russian. That's good. I'm glad you're being assimilated nicely in, over there. How's, uh, how is everything? How was the trip? Well, you know what really struck me is when I got to the airport, um, taking the drive in taxi into the city. And by the way, you think the Denver airport is is far. The airport in Moscow from the city is is really far. But as I was driving in, I, I began to think that maybe this whole thing about Russians uh, affecting the U.S. election is true because I saw a lot of people wearing those little stickers with the American flag that said "I voted." And uh, <laughs> so, if the, it, I, I was just throwing it like maybe, maybe they did. Maybe they did vote for Trump, and very, that's uh, that's what happened. Very, very Panda and Pato in the morning. Already, 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 one in the books there, Kevin. Good job. Way, way to way to keep the uh, the jokes rolling. But how was your uh, your trip over? How long was the flight? Which way did you go? Well, um, I, I flew from, uh, I wanted to stay on United as long as possible. There's a shameless plug for a corner of the Galaxy sponsor. So I, I flew United to uh, Washington, D.C. From there, I flew United to Brussels and then took uh, Brussels Air uh, from Belgium to uh, to Moscow. Um, and I think the whole thing, I left at uh, 8.15 or so on god what day was it oh on uh, friday morning and i got here to russia about 2 30 and uh, the next afternoon russian time right uh so it was about a you know 17 18 hour flight i think or trip between the three flights yeah that, that's not too bad and then if, if we're trying to keep everybody uh, on track here at least trying to uh to figure out uh, what what time it is everywhere, uh, it is six a.m. here in in Southern California as we're recording uh, a little early morning uh, wake up call, and it is what four p.m. almost four p.m. Uh, in yep, in just Moscow about four p.m. Yeah, ticking down to four p.m. All right, so so you get there, you get to uh, to Moscow. Uh, I think I saw from your Facebook post you got to walk around at least one of the stadiums there. What's the uh, what's the general mood there about the World Cup? Is does it feel like there's a big tournament about to start? Yes and no. I mean, uh, you don't feel the excitement from the people in the streets, although there, you know, there are World Cup um, uh, walking to the subway. There's a little underground thing you go through to get into the metro. And all of the, the little kiosks there have uh, kind of cool World Cup souvenirs uh, on display and for sale. There's a lot of planters and displays around town uh, made from soccer balls. The planters are actually very cool, but then there's like uh, parking obstacles and, and things, you know, where the, they don't want people to park in a certain area. So the obstacle now is a soccer ball as opposed to what it might've been before. Um, and, and there, you know, the fan fest has gone up downtown across from the Bolshoi ballet. There is a huge, uh, 
statue of Karl Marx. It's actually very impressive. Mm -hmm. And they have a lot of welcome Russia, welcome World Cup banners around with sponsor signs on it, which I don't think Karl Marx would have been a a big supporter of uh, some of this international commerce. But the funniest one is out at the stadium, the main stadium here in Moscow, where there's another giant statue, this one of Vladimir Lenin. And it actually rises from behind a a visa uh, a visa logo souvenir booth um, <laughs> and that was was really jarring but the stadium is is really nice I remember four years ago in Brazil when the main stadium was was still under construction and they were actually basically painting when we got there for the opening game um, this stadium looked really nice they were on the field practicing the opening ceremonies uh, for the Germany Mexico game which isn't even the first game and so they're already even the volunteers are are ahead of schedule. When I landed here, and actually before I left Southern California, I was real pessimistic about this trip. But after getting here uh, and seeing the preparations and learning a little bit of how the subway works and everything else, and the people have been very friendly, uh, although it is hard to find people that speak English. Um, but everybody, it's funny because everyone speaks a little bit of English, and it kind of reminds me of Southern California with Spanish. You know, people say they, they don't speak any Spanish, but everybody knows certain words, you know, alegre, fiesta, hola. Um, adios, um, me amo, whatever. Uh, you find people here that don't speak any English, but then they'll throw something out about like, what city are you from? And it's like, I thought you didn't speak English. So, um, and, and the people have been very friendly so far and very helpful, especially police officers. I know myself and been hanging around with Steve Goff, the soccer writer for the Washington Post. And he was real concerned about approaching police officers because they they look so intimidating in the subway and other places. And they actually came up to us in, in English asking us where we were from. So it's been a little bit better than I had anticipated. Of course, the tournament hadn't started yet. And so we'll knock on wood here and see where, where it goes. But so far, three what, three days into the trip, it's, it's pretty nice. That's not too bad. All right. Well, uh, let's talk a little bit of LA Galaxy here. Uh, the LA Galaxy get a 3-0 win over Real Salt Lake, uh, their most emphatic win of the season. Uh, the first time they've scored three goals and not allowed anybody else to score. The first time they've had a three-goal lead in any game there, Kevin. Uh, most of the other high-scoring games, they've uh, they've usually tick, got ticked back and forth between uh, winning, losing, losing, just a little bit less than losing, all those fun things uh, whenever they score three goals. So this was... Uh, I don't know. I think it was a bit of a bit of a surprise. If if anybody watched the first half of that game, it played out almost exactly as most I think reporters and and most fans sort of expected it to. Kevin, it was zero zero. It was boring. Um, it was a bit of a yawn fest. There wasn't a lot going on, and the galaxy looked stagnant and without any ideas or creativity. Um, and and that's really the first half. They had one really good chance. Uh, Zlatan Ibrahimovic with a little bit of a, a fake on our RSL defender uh, allowed Perry Kitchen to get into the box, and Perry made a good shot, uh, a great controlled trap, and then a shot uh, very quickly. And with those things uh, quickly happening, uh, Nick Romando had to slide over and make the save. That was it in terms of the the great um, sort of moves that happened um, for the LA Galaxy in the first half. But the, the big deal that happened about two or three minutes before halftime uh, was that Sebastian Legette made a, a sliding sort of save to try to keep a ball in bounds and ended up landing on his right ankle, basically trapping his right ankle underneath his body as he was stretched out with his left leg. Uh, and he stayed down for a little bit. Uh, the trainers came on. He came off the field. He said, I think I can go back. He ran for a little bit again. They called halftime. 
Uh, he went into the locker room, and we I don't know what anybody expected, but they I think that there was at least a question, Kevin, about whether or not he was going to come back out. Uh, he did come back out. He did start the second half, and that lasted for about two minutes, uh, almost three minutes, before they made the change. He came off, and Bradford Jameson made his league debut for the LA Galaxy after making his season debut for the LA Galaxy in the U.S. Open Cup. Uh, but he makes his league debut for the LA Galaxy, comes in, and that's when this game changed, which is uh, it's a long road back for, for Brad, for Jameson, Kevin, but he looks like he's back and, and, and perhaps ready to go. Well, you know, that injury to Legette, first of all, you know, hopefully he'll be okay. That's the, I believe that's the same foot. I know it's an ankle this time, but the same one where he had the injury last year. And, and fortunately, he does have three weeks now to get better. And the fact that he went into the locker room at halftime and, uh, you know, got examined and still tried to come out and play, I think that's a good sign. I think probably three weeks will be more than enough time for him to recover unless there's something else that we don't know about. But uh, Bradford Jamison, um, the timing turned out to be perfect for him. Could you imagine if they had lost Sebastian Legette at a time when two players are away, two other midfielders are away at World Cup duty, uh, and Baggio is still hurt, as far as we know. So, you know, Bradford Jamison being able to come back uh, was a really good sign and really important timing for the Galaxy. Um, the other thing that got uh, that kind of struck me about the game was uh, um, Nick Romano, you know, how the, how the great have fallen. Uh, um, you know, Real Salt Lake has a pretty good record, although they're terrible on the road. And but Nick Romano's had some good games, but uh, seems to have more bad games than good games. They've given up a ton of goals this season. Uh, and you wonder if Salt Lake is going to be able to, to – stay in the playoff race for the rest of the season. They're ahead of the Galaxy now, but you can see some real weaknesses in that team. Yeah, Nick Romando had a very un-Nick Romando-like game. Um, he missed the the attempted clearance that eventually saw Zlatan Ibrahimovic get his first goal. Uh, he went to punch it and, and sort of whiffed on it a little bit, popped it straight up in the air, and then wasn't able to out-jump uh, Zlatan Ibrahimovic as he headed into the back of the goal for Zlatan's first, game, first goal. Um, he had some other just little ones. He also made some good saves. So it's still Nick Romando. I have a feeling that that defense hasn't exactly been uh, stellar for Nick Romando, especially on the road. Um, for whatever reason, they seem to be able to play uh, very well at home. Real Salt Lake does. And and they come on the road, and I think they were 1-5-1 and one entering the game. They're 1-6-1 and one leaving it. Um, so they're also a team who has beaten up on Seattle twice, Kevin. And so whenever you look at the schedule that Real Salt Lake has played versus the schedule the Galaxy have played, I will I would have rather have played the Galaxy schedule already and be headed into the easier schedule they are than going from Real Salt Lake what Real Salt Lake has done and then traveling forward into um, into their more difficult part of the season. So I think maybe the third place standing in the Western Conference that they held coming into the game was a little bit of a misnomer there. Uh, maybe a little misdirection. It certainly wasn't something that I think that they proved uh, that they were the third best team in the Western Conference uh, coming into StubHub Center. Um, the other sort of interesting thing here and that I, I forgot to even mention is that there were no designated players for the LA Galaxy. Obviously, Jonathan Dos Santos and Giovanni Dos Santos in Russia, uh, ready for the getting ready for the World Cup. But uh, you had you had Roman Alessandrini, who was apparently a late decision scratch. Um, he, he did not train on Thursday, apparently, um, and they thought that maybe he would be ready to go by game time, but decided not to play him. This is a quad injury. I know it was originally reported as a hamstring injury. Um, that's what we were told. And then, uh, Siggy Schmidt clarified that in the post-game press conference that it is a quad injury. So, um, <clears throat> and he, and by the way, I should also point out 
that Sebastian Legette, um, they didn't have a, a good prognosis or, or diagnosis um, for Sebastian Legette after the game. So they said it was some sort of ankle injury. They didn't know severity or anything else. So it's one of those things that we get to keep an eye on as the LA Galaxy get ready to go to Portland on Friday for a U.S. Open Cup match, which yeah. is uh, sort of thrown in between all this World Cup break. Well, one thing with Roman, uh, there, there's a huge difference between a quad and a hamstring as far as uh, the treatment and, and the time that you need to come back. Uh, the fact that it's a quad, not a hamstring, is a really good sign. The hamstring injuries, as we know from from Gio Dos Santos, they, they can linger for for months, if not years. And and you think that it's it's healed. I mean, it's it, it's once it's weakened, uh, it will always be a problem. So the fact that it's a hamstring and not uh, or rather a quad, not a hamstring, is a really good sign. Um, you wonder too. Going, I know that the the Galaxy have a long time off. Um, they'll have two weeks still a break for the World Cup after the Portland game. But you wonder with the when you're talking about two guys, Sebastian Legette and Ramon Alessandrini, with leg injuries, one an ankle, one a hamstring again, uh, or, or rather quad, playing on the artificial turf might not be a good thing. And I know the Galaxy want to win that game, and I know they're playing an MLS opponent, and they're playing one that they just. Uh, you know, we're fortunate to draw 1-1 in, in Portland. Um, I, I I would kind of be surprised if either one of those guys uh, made the trip. Just, uh, you know, I would think that the Galaxy would want to err on the side of caution. And I know that they're a little bit thin in the midfield, but they do have Bradford Jameson. Um, you know, Ari Lester is still around. Uh, Carrasco played pretty well in the last game. There, there are guys that they can throw out there. I know they're missing, again, they're missing the, the two Dos Santos brothers since Zlatan is on his way to Moscow as well. Uh, for some endorsement things. So they are a little short uh, as far as the roster goes going into that Portland game, but you don't want to take guys that, like Ramon and, and Legette who are really important parts of the team and put them on that turf. And, and the Open Cup is not a meaningless game. I understand that, but it's not the MLS Cup. Uh, it just would seem to me not to be a wise decision to take a chance with them uh, a week, less than a week after an injury and put them on turf. Yeah, it, it makes a lot of sense. Uh, again, if if you miss that, Kevin, uh, we're saying basically that Zlatan Ibrahimovic should be in Moscow on, and I believe, around Thursday or something like that. Well, I'm sure he'll be here before that, but he has an event Thursday, which is the, the day the World Cup opens. He has an event Thursday morning uh, for Visa, and I think he's doing some stuff for some of his other sponsors. Now, Chris Klein told me that this was part of the contract negotiations before he signed. It's not anything that Zlatan uh, decided to do after he signed with the Galaxy when the contract uh, uh, talk started, basically Zalatan's people came forward and said, look, we've already signed this because, you know, right now it would be if he was still playing in, in Europe, this is the off time. So he could do whatever he wanted. So he had agreed to come and, and do these uh, commercial endorsements and went to the Galaxy and said the papers are signed. There's nothing we can do about this if you want to sign him, you know, this is part of the deal. And the Galaxy were okay with that. They were not blindsided by it. It wasn't anything that Zlatan asked for when he got to L.A. This was uh, done months ago. And so the Galaxy knew that he was going, and the timing looked right. Now no one knew that the U.S. Open Cup game was going to be played this week. But, you know, the other thing with when you talk about uh, Legette and Alessandrini not playing on the turf, I really have to believe that when you got Zlatan coming off the knee surgery, he didn't really play much. I don't think he played at all, did he, in yeah, Portland the no, last no, time? No, he, he did. He uh, got 18 minutes, minutes. 18 minutes, so. Yeah, I, I just don't, again, U.S. Open Cup game on the turf, 36-year-old guy coming off major knee surgery a year ago, uh, well, 14 months ago. Now, I, I don't think Zlatan would have played anyways, or if he had played, it would be very limited. So, um, 
again, I don't think the Galaxy are missing much by the fact that Zlatan won't be there. Yeah, it seems that way, and it seems like that's a good thing. Now, now people will tell you, Kevin, that the U.S. Open Cup is the easiest way into the CONCACAF Champions League. That is true. Um, I will, of course, remind everybody that usually the winners of the U.S. Open Cup play a bunch of home games, and the L.A. Galaxy will not have that luxury. Uh, they will go to Portland if they win that game. Uh, excuse me, they'll go to Portland, so they have to play there away. And then if they win that game, and uh, I think everyone is expected expecting that Los Angeles Football Club will win their game as well over, uh, let's see, they're playing Sacramento. If they beat Sacramento, I believe the hosting has already been determined that the LA Galaxy would go to Bank of California Stadium to play that game. So the Galaxy, again, would be away again. And if you go back and look at the history, or at least the recent history of ML, of, of U.S. Open Cup winners, you're going to see very clearly that the U.S. Open Cup winners are going to be, um, you know, usually teams that have three or four home games in there. There was a reason that Seattle won so many U.S. Open Cups early in the history before sort of the hosting rules had changed. Um, and those hosting rules changing meant that uh, they didn't get as many home games that they got um, previously. And so now that you see that, uh, you know, there's been a, a decree in that. So that's what we have there for the, for the USM. Cause I would not listen. I'm, I'm all for the LA galaxy playing a full a team lineup. Anybody who's healthy should play. Um, that's probably doesn't mean Allison Drini. That probably doesn't mean, you know, legit. And that probably doesn't mean, uh, Zlatan Ibrahimovic. In fact, I'm almost sure about most of those. Um, but at the same time, this is an important game for the Galaxy. I think they can. I think that they can get past Portland, and then if that happens, you're sort of you got one more game on the road. Can you do something? It's just it's just a lot more difficult in the U.S. Open Cup to win on the road than it is to win at home. It's just for for a tournament that way, a single elimination tournament, you get an advantage being the home team. Well, I'm I'm not big. I, you know, the U.S. Open Cup is what it is. I'm not. I don't want to denigrate it, but I mean it. It kind of strikes me a little bit when you look at the fan attention and and all that. It's kind of like the NIT to the NCAA tournament. I mean, you know, you, no, no one remembers who won the NIT a year after it happened or even 10 minutes after it happened, but everyone remembers who won the NCAA tournament. You know, the season tickets are sold and players are signed and reputations are made on what happens in the MLS Cup and the MLS playoffs. And, uh, you know, the U.S. Open Cup, yeah, it would be great to win. And, and even the, the CONCACAF Champions League right now, and I know that's changing because MLS did really well this year, and maybe it will change going forward forward but it's it, it again it's not a tournament that I mean, and look at the u.s open cup you have to watch it online there's you know no national tv contract for the u.s open cup the CONCACAF champions league is always dominated by the mexican teams mls is starting to change that a little bit but you know if i if i'm a coach if i'm ziggy and i said I, i've got to roll my dice on one of these two tournaments u.s open cup and hope to get in champions league and yada yada and ziggy has ex experience with all that or I got a team that can make the MLS playoffs, and then with Zalat, a guy like Zalatan, the wild card that he's become, um, maybe go deep into those playoffs. You know, I, I think getting to the the conference finals in the MLS playoffs is is probably better than getting to the final four in in the U.S. Open Cup. And I think that's probably the way the Galaxy are thinking right now too. Well, I, I mean, I know there are a bunch of fans, Kevin, who were talking about how the LA Galaxy were were out of the playoffs already. Uh, that you know things were already over in terms of. Um, you know, where the Galaxy stood, how they were going to do here in 2018. And the bottom line is that's just so far from being true right now. The Galaxy in their last five games, 3-1-1. One, one. Uh, I think you told me best stretch they've had since June of last year. 
Yeah, when they had that little well, June, May, and June, when they had right. that little winning streak, um, and then there was it turned into an unbeaten streak with with some draws under Kurt that sort of Kurt Onofa's last hurrah. Yeah, it's the best that they've done since then. But um, just in addition to the record, first of all, they're they're past the really tough part of their schedule. Yes, there's some tough patches coming up, but they're 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 past the really tough part of their schedule. Uh, one, which is a good thing. Um, a couple other things though in this game, both both good and bad on the good side. Um, we talked last week about how it was uncertain whether the galaxy wanted to play in the air. And Ashley Cole talked about, uh, you know, just sending balls over the top and hoping something happens. And we talked about how Ola Kamara and some of the other players in the team, not a lot of good guys who are really good in the air as a lot time being the one exception. And some of the defenders and Michael Ciani is good in, in the air. Dave Romney is not bad. That Daniel Sturris is okay. But for the most part, that over, uh, going up top, that is for Zlatan. And it paid off in this game. You know, they, he scored two goals, and they played very well in the air. And there seemed to be some chemistry a little bit between Zlatan and, and Ola. And it's almost like they figured something out. Like, if it goes in the, in the air, it's mine. If it stays on the ground, it's yours. And those two seem to be working well. And, and Ola is really beginning to get comfortable with the way the Galaxy are playing now with Salatan, because when Salatan came in, it did change everything. And I think Ola's getting comfortable with that. So that that's a good sign going forward. But then the bad sign is, um, after the World Cup, the Galaxy are going to get the, their two designated players back, the two Dos Santos brothers. They're going to come back. They're going to have to fit in somewhere. Um, you talk about maybe the, the best half of the year the Galaxy played the second half. They played without the Dos Santos brothers. And, and I don't mean to, once again, pile on, but they did look really good. And now these two guys are going to come back, and you're going to have to fit them in. And does that is that going to detract from what happened in this game with Real Salt Lake? Well, certainly there there's two things that I take away from the second half and, and from the game. Um, that Bradford Jamison coming in in the second half completely changed the makeup of that game. Um, you can say what you want about Sebastian Legette and what they're asking him to do playing in that underneath position, underneath the two strikers. And, and that's the other takeaway, by the way, is that Siggy Schmidt, after, after I think you and I have talked about it multiple times, talking about how you need the two strikers side by side up top, finally played the two strikers side by side up top, Kevin. Uh, they went in what Siggy called somewhat of a modified 3-5-2 or a 5-3-2. Uh, you could say that they attacked in a 4-3-3. You certainly could. Um, I want everybody to remember because there, I see everybody arguing about uh, about formations, Kevin. That those are fluid and that they change constantly, and people should chill out whenever they're arguing about them. When they're saying no, they were attacking in a four-three-three. Well, in in some cases, Chris Pontius released a little bit early, and that made him sort of the third striker. But he wasn't really a third striker because he was also tasked, as Siggy Schmidt said, with controlling the entire right-hand side. So Chris Pontius was in charge of controlling the right-hand side from touchline to touchline, forward to back. He was a defender and a striker uh, in somewhere in between in those as well. So whenever you look at how that does and how that would morph the situation, it certainly makes sense. But So you look at Sebastian Legette playing that underneath position, Kevin, and it's not a position I think he's comfortable with. I don't think he fits well into that position. I know people are going to disagree with me, but if you looked where he was making runs, he was constantly making runs out wide to the left or to the right. Uh, He was constantly being up on that top line, and it didn't help the Galaxy connect. 
um, there was a gap in the midfield, and that gap should have been where Sebastian Legette was. And so he gets injured and comes out. Bradford Jameson comes in there, and I talked to, to Bradford after the game, sort of asked him what Siggy had, had told him. And one of the things he said was to make sure that he stayed connected with the midfield and with the strikers, with with Ola Kamara and Zlatan Ibrahimovic. And that is exactly what Bradford Jameson went in there and did it. Siggy said also, don't overthink it, all right, to, to play somewhere in the middle, don't overthink it. Um, and, and to make some some things happen. And Bradford Jameson absolutely brought that. His speed, his ability to turn and go forward. Siggy Schmidt says that he is always that he he that Bradford Jameson is a better passer, a better distributor than he gets credit for. And because of that, that that is a great position for him to play underneath. Um, and so without without uh, Bradford Jameson coming into that game, without him playing that second 45 minutes, I'm not sure the LA Galaxy get those three goals. Uh, I think it's very clear and very obvious. The two standout players on the night, Chris Pontius and Bradford Jameson, were your two absolute standouts. Defense also getting a shutout, Kevin. Uh, they looked cohesive together. They didn't have any too many panic moves, whether that is a reflection of Real Salt Lake and their ability or, or their inability to attack on the night, because a lot of times they like to att- attack with a front three. Um, that didn't happen either. So the Galaxy strung together a great performance, um, but you also have to question and look across the field at, at what Real Salt Lake did. And, and let's be very, very, very honest. The LA Galaxy probably shouldn't have won that game. And you say, sit there and say, it was three to nothing. How can you say that? Because Jorgen Shelvick should have been red carded, I think in the 53rd or 54th minute, uh, maybe even the 52nd minute. I don't remember exactly when it was. He picked up a yellow card in the game uh, for a, uh, a tackle that was not a tackle. He, he missed the ball. It was a tactical foul. The only problem with his tactical foul, Kevin, is that he was the last defender backed by about six yards and uh, Real Salt Lake was on a breakaway. And how that's not denial of a goal-scoring opportunity, I will never know. But uh, referee Ted Uncle only whistled the yellow card, and VAR apparently fell asleep on the play because Jorgen Schelvik should not have been in that game, and the Galaxy should not have had 11 players from there on out, and that would negate all three of the goals that they scored. That's how lucky the LA Galaxy got in this game. Just to go ahead and remember every time the Galaxy have gotten screwed over by VAR, Kevin, this was one of the times where everything benefited the LA Galaxy on the night that was extremely lucky. Well, yeah, I think Ted Uncle's had kind of a rough season already, but when you want to look at the pauses with the Galaxy, in their last five games, you talked about that three one-on-one streak, and in those five games, um, in four of them, uh, four of them combined, Bingham has only given up a penalty shot goal that would be the one in portland so you look at montreal shut out the san jose game at home a shutout then they gave up three goals to dallas then the the portland game where again just a penalty shot and uh then the real salt lake game so you could be looking at a situation where david biggin would have shutouts in four of his last five games that's a pretty good streak and, and by the way you're right shelvick's yellow card came in the 53rd minute uh, and you, and could have totally changed the complexion of the game. It could have been one nothing Real Salt Lake at that point with the Galaxy playing a man down, and then all of a sudden um, uh, they don't do some of the things that they wound up doing to get those goals. Yeah, it was uh, it was extremely fortunate, extremely lucky for the Galaxy. But that's the that's the way it goes. So I mean, overall, I'll, I'll give you another impression of this game, Kevin. Is that um, Zlatan Ibrahimovic was calm, collected. He was not yelling and screaming at people. 
He was not not gesticulating wildly at his teammates. And through that first half, you can't say it was exactly great. Now, they got him the ball in some dangerous positions, but I'll also say this. I think in the first half, they didn't necessarily always defer to him as they have done in the past. And I will say, especially in the second half, they did a much better job of distributing the ball wide. Um, and then finding Zlatan Ibrahimovic, the, the second goal that he scores, Kevin, is a goal that he should be scored every single time. And that comes a little bit from Bradford Jamison playing with the ball in the middle and then tossing it out to uh, Servando Carrasco. And Carrasco's right-footed cross in this, whenever you look at uh, Justin Glad, poor Justin Glad for Real Salt Lake, had a great game up until that point, uh, really had done a whole bunch of things, had saved the ball off a goal line, uh, where Zlatan said that if it was before the surgery where his leg was a little bit longer, it probably would have gone in. But after the surgery, his leg was a little bit shorter. He couldn't quite get to the ball in time. Uh, to get it over the line, and Justin Glad was the reason for that. He cleared it off the goal line uh, and blocked that shot. But but the the absolute aerial dominance by Zlatan Ibrahimovic is a ball that should be played every single time. He towers over people. He towered over Justin Glad, and Justin Glad tried to body up on Zlatan Ibrahimovic, and Zlatan basically tossed him around like a rag doll for that second header goal. That is a goal. That is a cross. That that needs to be played all the time. Uh, it's something the Galaxy need to study and say that was good. That's what we need to do. That's what we need to do from now on. When you're looking for Zlatan, the run was nice. It was a nice arced run. It was very apparent where the ball was going, and Real Salt Lake could do nothing about it. That is impressive. And and again, the fact that Zlatan wasn't yelling and screaming at people in the first half, Kevin, made me think that maybe something something clicked here. The three five two seems to suit this LA Galaxy team very well. Um, in terms of the results they're getting for it. I still think they're sort of pigeonholing some people into that formation like Ashley Cole or Chris Pontius and, and making them, um, you know, cover a ton of ground and they're not exactly the youngest bodies to be able to do that. So we'll see if it has some long-term success, but short-term success right now, the Galaxy and the 352 seem to be able to pull that formation off regardless of the personnel that they have right now and maybe that is their style. Maybe we've now seen through 15 games uh, that the LA Galaxy have figured out how they like to play and how they like to attack and how they like to defend. Maybe you're starting to figure some things out. I don't want to go too far. It's a 3 nothing win over Real Salt Lake, who I don't think has a strong winning record, Kevin. But the Galaxy look better. They looked cohesive in the second half. And the first half, they were close. It was still a little choppy, but they were they were almost there. So So something's happening there. Well, a couple of things. Um, first of all, the Galaxy had not played a full game yet. I mean, it, all the scoring in this game took place in a 16-minute span uh, in the middle of the second half. Uh, and then you go back, you know, the biggest wins they've had, the, the, the game over LAFC. That was, you know, a 20-minute game for the Galaxy. Um, so probably, you know, the Portland game was pretty good, but they just got the one goal out of it. So the Galaxy have not put together a full game yet. They've looked very good in spurts, and they haven't put together a full game yet. As far as Zlatan, I, like you, I don't want to project too much and say this is what happened. But I don't believe anyone went and talked to Zlatan. I, I just they, – the Galaxy seemed to have – um, you know, when you talk about management, coaching staff, and everyone else, they seem very much in awe of Zlatan. And I think, uh, I don't think they feel like they can go to a guy with his resume and say, "Hey, look, this is the way we want you to do it here in MLS." So I think, if if anything has changed, it's a re- realization that Zlatan came to that look. That's this is not Paul Pogba out here as my teammates. You know, these are not uh, EPL and and, and uh, you know European style players. They are what they are. Uh, and I'm going to have to 
make the best of it. And I think perhaps he got to the point where he said, you know, and again, this is just speculating. I, I haven't heard anyone say that, but when you look at his body uh, posture and, and his actions, perhaps he got to the point where he just said, look, I'm just going to make the, you know, make do with what I have. Um, try to encourage these guys, not be too hard on them. And a lot of the players have complained about Zalata being very hard on them during the game. Everybody loves him off the field. And apparently he's great in the locker room, but on the field, he can be a little bit too demanding and it has had trouble understanding uh, the, the, you know, the, whatever the restrictions that some of these players have talent-wise and in other ways. So maybe he's a lot of time on his own came to that realization. But the other thing is, too, that, you know, again, the fact that anything up in the air is his and, and he did dominate the aerial battle. And then anything on the ground is is Ola's. And the, those two guys have come to that realization and agreement and they're going to stay out of each other's way. It gives the Galaxy two ways to attack, um, which is – really, uh, you know, was really effective for 16 minutes in this game. And if, if they can make that work going forward, uh, it will continue to be effective. I, I, it's still the one question I have is what happens when the Dos Santos brothers come back? Yeah, that is, that is sort of the thing. And, and I agree. I, I think a lot of LA Galaxy fans are out there saying, oh, see, this is what happens whenever, uh, whenever they're not there, that the Galaxy play better. And listen, it's tough. I, I think if I'm anybody right now, what I'm saying is, the Galaxy and the players, I, I like to point to players that were there more than players that weren't. So you look at the players that were there. The, the Galaxy players who were there played very well. Um, does that get affected by Giovanni Dos Santos coming back in or Jonathan Dos Yeah, it does. Um, trying to figure out where everybody plays and trying to make it. The Galaxy don't have a team that fits together real well um, in terms of whenever you get those two guys back. Uh, Jonathan Dos Santos probably fits into that formation a little bit better than most, but you know, does he fit into the role that where Bradford Jamison or Sebastian Legette filled in? Yeah, probably. Um, but is that the the best use of your money uh, in terms of you know the eight million dollars that you're paying between the two Dos Santos brothers? It's a lot of money. Uh, the LA Galaxy did a good job without them, but you also have to point out to Ramon Alessandrini. Alessandrini has been struggling a lot. Does Alessandrini? If he's fully healthy, is he able to give you the same performance that Chris Pontius did running up and down the right-hand side? This is where it gets to the part where, where we talk about how the 3-5-2 doesn't necessarily always work for the Galaxy, Kevin. And this could be the, the big issue. Um, there's, there's questions being asked right now whether the LA Galaxy have a fire cell in the summer and everybody sells... Um, everybody gets rid of everybody in turn, the Dos Santos brothers and Roman Alessandrini. And all of a sudden you have three designated player spots open and you reshape that team with what you need from your designated players. Uh, you need a number 10. Um, certainly people have been asking if Efren Alvarez, who's 15, uh, could possibly come in and make that, that, that yes, he can in about two years is my guess. Uh, but that doesn't mean he shouldn't start getting minutes maybe at towards the end of this season and into next season uh, to really make that happen. But that means you basically have two years where you still need a number 10, a playmaker in the central in the center that's going to do something. And, you, you know, that's something the Galaxy could go out and do with a designated player spot. They could find somebody like that. Um, you know, it's it's the Galaxy are surviving right now, Kevin, and they have for most of the season, whenever you look at the amount of minutes the designated players have played, the Galaxy are surviving without their three, you know, top, Play, paid players for most of the season. Roman Alessandrini has played, you know, I think about 60 or 60, 65% of the total minutes available out there. But other than, other than that, uh, Jonathan Dos Santos and Giovanni Dos Santos both have uh, less than 50% and Gio's way less than 50% of, of available minutes played. So the Galaxy have already been surviving without their designated players this year. And so the fact that they are where they are 
with, uh, you know, in eighth place, but only nine points out of first place in the Western Conference. That's only three games. So only nine points out of first place in the Western Conference is actually, I don't know, It's a, I think maybe this is an optimistic view, but seeing them survive that difficult schedule, Kevin, has now sort of maybe given hope for the second half of the season. Yeah, I think that's a little bit of wishful thinking that there's going to be some sort of house cleaning. I mean, when name another time an MLS team uh, got rid of more than than one designated player at a time, uh, much less get getting rid of all three. I mean, what you said makes a lot of sense, but I just uh, you know the the contract setup and and just all of the 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 different things that impede MLS teams from making those kind of moves. Uh, would seem to work against the Galaxy in doing that. Would they need to do that? Yeah, possibly. Uh, you know, they do need to open spots up for FM Alvarez and some of the other young players that are coming up. Um, it's a lot of times here for another year past this one. Uh, perhaps uh, they let the contracts run out. I mean, you know, all three of the DP contracts run out after the 2019 season. That, to me, is a more logical um, um, uh, time frame for this big overhaul um, you know, Efren Alvarez, one more full season uh, at USL, maybe playing so, some sporadic minutes at MLS just to get his feet wet. That seems to be um, a more logical way that this thing unfolds. Um, so, you know, we'll see what happens. But the, the Galaxy appear to have found uh, a style that suits them in this game. And, and uh, it, you know, will, will it will it hold going forward, especially they don't play a game now until uh, an MLS game until June 30th, uh, and they play that one on the road. So will everybody be back? I mean, Mexico's really struggling. Uh, the Galaxy can have everyone back by then, although I don't think that the Santos brothers would be even ready to play at that point. Um, it's a long flight back from Moscow. That, that's, what I, that's what I hear. Well, to, to throw more, I don't know, fuel on the fire, somebody did uh, send me some screenshots of some rumors that Roman Alessandrini could possibly go into uh, St. Uh, Etienne um, back in, uh, in in France. Again, I, I haven't taken a time to look at him, but th- there's rumors out there, at least even uh, concerning Roman Alessandrini uh, and, and what could possibly happen with him. But I don't think he wants to go. I mean, you know, you, you, uh, he spent the offseason here. He he really has dedicated himself to this team. I, I don't know if you could say the same thing about the other DPs, but Roman seemed to – and with a lot of the European players, you always hear them talk about – you know, what's going on back in Europe. I mean, David Beckham famously would go back for, uh, you know, went back for Alex Ferguson's goodbye party, went back for the Olympics. You know, they always, you know, Steven Gerrard went back and did commentary on the European championships. Um, And and you just always heard them talking about the European game and not MLS. I I really think Alessandrini likes it here. Um, And I would be, I would be surprised if, if he were behind any of these rumors, if he were, uh, actually excited about them. I know his agent talks about how he could play anywhere in Europe, and and I've heard some people in the Galaxy front office kind of uh, uh, privately tell me that there's nothing to that. That uh, uh, Allison Greening didn't have a chance to go back to Europe last year, and went, and they wouldn't have let him go anyway. So I'd be surprised if he would if he was behind any of that. I, I do think he likes it here, and um, I don't know that he's. I don't know that we should be so down on him right now. Yeah, he struggled a little bit this season, but I still think he's he's worked very hard. His work rate's been up. Uh, I think he's been a good teammate. Um, uh, I know he's had some problems with formations, but I, I don't know. I'm not down on him. Uh, there are other players that we could talk about that that I'd have a different opinion about, but uh, I still like Roman. Yeah, I'm just I'm pointing to his general displeasure on the field this year that maybe something has changed, but I don't know that. It's just it's more speculation. I just wanted to. 
if the, what will happen is those rumors will be out there. Somebody will say, why didn't you talk about this on the podcast? I'll say, we have talked about it. We don't know that there's much to them, and I don't think there is. But at the same time, um, you know, the Galaxy are having success without their designated players, Kevin, and that that shouldn't be minimized, I think. That, that, should be, that should be a red flag for the LA Galaxy, quite honestly. Or do you sit there and say, well, no, you know, look how much better they built this team, which they have uh, in terms of depth uh, from year over year. Uh, you couldn't have done that last year in terms of trying to play without your uh, without your your designated players for as many games as the Galaxy have been forced to do that this year, uh, especially in a World Cup year. But I, I do think that things could get a little crazy after the World Cup. One is that usually there's a lot of player movement after the World Cup, Kevin. There's guys who played well. Uh, there's guys who's uh, who were waiting for the World Cup to be over to be able to make the moves. So uh, I believe the transfer window opens for the uh, for MLS here July 10th, which is less Correct. than a month away. Yep. Yeah. So <clears throat> the the July 10th date is is approaching very quickly, as a matter of fact. And so we'll see. And and you know, there's another part of this too. Rolf Felcher is probably going to come back from injury as well here within the next uh, maybe month and a half. Is because we figured right around July 10th actually would be when he would. Uh, make his return. So uh, I saw him out at the U.S. Open Cup game last week. Uh, he was there uh, walking around and and uh, and still looked to be in very good shape, as as you would imagine Rolf Felcher is. Um, so I mean, there's there's some things that are going to happen here in the second half of the season, Kevin, that I don't think uh, we can predict accurately right now. I don't know how the Galaxy are going to react whenever they get the Dos Santos brothers coming back. I don't know what's going to happen uh, in terms of the transfer window and what they think they need. Um, you know, we've been talking a lot about that. Maybe they need another defender. Maybe they need something there, but they already spend more money on defense than anybody else in the league. Are you going to go out and spend more money on a defender, um, that is apparently going to plug some hole for you? Well, speaking of that, I mean, you talked about Roach Felcher coming back and, and obviously if he's coming back, he's been out. So what happens to, to the defense when you bring him back again, take away the, the penalty shot and the galaxy have had four shutouts in the last five games. That's pretty good defensive performance. Does Felcher come back and separate back into a spot and do they get better? Does it disrupt whatever chemistry they have? Do you, do you have him stay on the bench? Um, you know, it, it, a lot of times it's, it's more than just the, the, the players. It's the sum of the parts. And sometimes two great players clash and you actually hurt your team. And you're going to say, well, this guy should be on the field. He's a good player, but the team doesn't perform when he's out there. Um, so does Felcher come back in and get his starting spot as well as a defensive plate? Yeah, it's a it's one of those good questions that you're like, yeah, what are you going to do? I mean, Dave Romney has filled in very nicely at right back. The defense has gotten three shutouts in the last five games. So there's something to this. This is not uh, this is not a fluke that you're seeing in the last. Well, it's a little bit of a, a result of the schedule. You've seen whenever they played the really good team in terms of FC Dallas that they struggled. Uh, they played some of the bottom dwellers uh, and they they played better. And so, so that's what you said. But you also look at Portland and that Portland game was was rather telling. And it'll be interesting to see what the Galaxy can do on Friday as well as they'll get ready for that U.S. Open Cup game up in Portland. I will say this, uh, Zlatan Ibrahimovic talking after the game, Kevin, and we were asking a little bit about the U.S. Open Cup and whether or not it was good to sort of keep this momentum going, and he said, you know, I think some guys were disappointed that uh, they didn't get their vacation. Uh, and you have to imagine the players were looking at this three weeks, Kevin, of, of World Cup and, and the break that they're getting, because uh, it's a two-week World Cup break for MLS, but the Galaxy actually get a buy in there as well, so they actually get three weeks. Um, so, uh, you were looking at that. I'm sure some of those players had vacation plans and now they will of course be playing in the U S open cup on Friday. I wonder how much that affects them, 
uh, going well, up he, into the, here, the here's open where cup. it does affect them. Um, I, and I don't know what the Galaxy schedule was. I'm just sort of basing it on what's happened in the past when the team has had long breaks like this. My guess would be that this was an off week that players were going to be able to, if not have every day free, that there would be very little training this week. It would be a real down week, and then they'd probably start ramping up again, maybe June 20th, somewhere around there, 10 games out, then 10 days out from their next game. Um, and, and now that's been taken away. Now they have to train and prepare and travel. You know, they have to go on the road. It's, uh, you know, that's two, maybe two and a half day trip. Uh, by the time you go up, play the game, turn around and come back. So, and they won't be chartering that trip. So, um, you know, it, it, it does, it does add to the wear and tear and, and guys who had been looking, uh, to get away, I'm sure it, it is a sad thing. Now it didn't hurt. I don't know. I said a lot of times talking about it because he was going away anyways. It wasn't going to affect him. Yes. Um, but yeah, I mean, I do think that there's some other players, um, that, you know, maybe some of the European players, maybe Siani, maybe even Roman were you know, thinking about going home for a few days and now that's been wiped out. So it, it does change things. Uh, and you can see some players really being unhappy about it. And, and you know, I wonder how that, 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 uh, plays on the field. I mean, uh, guys go up into this game. They don't want to play this. If, if it's true, if it's true, if they, you know, if they don't want to play this game, do they go up and then not have the passion and, 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 you know, to get out the kind of uh, tie that they had to get out last time they were in Portland? Does it change how much they want to play in this game? Yeah. I mean, you, you could see almost maybe Siggy Schmidt finding some of the younger players and, and taking those younger players up there because he knows they're going to be hungry just like they did in the uh, in the amateur team. But, but obviously uh, completely different in terms of, you know, playing Portland and, and playing FC Golden State Force. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see how that, that plays out. That is going to be all this week. Uh, we will have another live show on Wednesday night, not Thursday night. I know it's always Thursdays. Joshka says we do it every Thursday night. Uh, we'll do it on Wednesday night this night because I have some business stuff I have to take care of on Thursday. So it's Wednesday night, um, and we, of course, will get you ready for that U.S. Open Cup match uh, just two days after this podcast, which is nice. Quick turnaround for you. Uh, so U.S. Open Cup match on Friday. And then, Kevin, of course, and I will will attempt to reconnect once again. Shall the, uh, shall the, 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 red, uh, the red government over there allow it? Um, we, will, uh, we will get back together and, and talk a little bit about the U.S. Open Cup game. Um, and then be off in oblivion. I'm sure we can talk to Kevin more about uh, World Cup stuff. We have some. Uh, we have three calls here, Kevin. I want to get to um, okay. b- before we get over. So let's go to uh, the first one. And this one is uh, I didn't get the name. I think the name actually dropped out a little bit. But uh, this person talking about uh, Ramon Alessandrini. Great win last night. Uh, important win. Uh, probably the best 90 minute performance through the season. Um, you know, there were a couple shaky moments from the defense, but it looks like they're starting finally to glue together. But what really struck me was 3-0 with no DPs out there. And it's kind of already been assumed, I think, by a lot of fans that after the World Cup, um, Galaxy might be looking to move the Dos Santos brothers. Just wondering, um, you know, with the solid play of Pontius and Bradford Jamison getting healthy, do you think there's any chance uh, the Galaxy look to move Alessandrini? Uh, he's been, you know, a solid player, but not not quite the same level of production as he had last year. So if the Galaxy really are going to try to revamp the roster. Do they try to move all three DPs, or do you think they keep Alessandrini on board? Let me know. All right, so so there we go, Kevin. That's exactly what we're talking about in terms of you know the assumptions. I think it's dangerous to assume anything right now. I think Kevin, you've already pointed that out. 
Uh, it's pie in the sky to think that the Galaxy are suddenly just going to clean house, uh, especially with the Dos Santos brothers. I know that fans are leaning that way. I hear it all the time. I saw it after this game. So, you know, everybody making the conclusion that the Galaxy don't need the Dos Santos brothers. And if you don't need two of your designated players, then, you know, what are you doing with them? Um, it's just, it's again, it's a mindset that I think is a little dangerous going into a summertime where there could be no big moves. Well, when you look at the three players, um, I don't think either one of those Santos brothers goes back to Europe. I don't think that's a, I don't think that door is open to them. Um, and so you're looking at Mexico or elsewhere in MLS, probably. Um, no one's going to take Gio's contract. If the Galaxy were able to move him, they're going to have to pay a good por- portion of that. Um, Jonathan's a, l- a little bit more movable at $2 million, um, and, and he's probably a better player than Gio right now. You, you could see moving him. But then, again, you get back to that thing, just one Dos Santos, if one Dos Santos brother goes, does the other have to go with them? And then you have to work out uh, you know, a complex deal. The guy that is movable you know, with this contract and everything, and the fact that he is still playing well – uh, is Alessandrini, and if you if you buy the fact that you you know you think that he's not the same Alessandrini as last year, I think you can make the Jassy's Zardis argument that hey maybe with uh, you know a different environment and different teammates uh, and different style of play, maybe he will return to his former self. I don't know that he, you know I, I I'm just not a, a Alessandrini hater right now. I don't think that he's been that awful this year. Um, I, I still think there's a lot of upside there. But if you're talking about you need to move those guys for whatever reason because you're going to sign Chicharito or somebody else coming over up to the World Cup, Alice Andrini would seem to be much easier to move because I think he, at his, especially at his price, there would be people um, willing to take a look at him in Europe. I don't think he's, uh, you know, every everyone there is, I don't think those doors are closed to him. I think he could easily go back. I think he could go to a lot of other MLS teams at that price. Um, I don't know that he'd want to go to Mexico necessarily, but that's the guy that would seem to me to, to, to have the biggest upside, the most flexibility, and probably the most interest. Yeah, it's a, again, if you're talking about ease of movement, I think I agree with you. So anyway, just more stuff, but wanted to get that. Now we have uh, William from San Francisco has, I think, a special. This came in a couple uh, weeks ago, but I think it still holds true, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play it again. But William has a special message uh, here for me, so let's hear from William. William from San Francisco, and I'm running for governor of the Boateng Fan Club. Just want to shout out to my boy, Mr. Hustle. He should be tied on this team for most assists, and he started this game. Um, come on, Josh. Give him 60 minutes a game. All right. Thanks. All right. So I, I believe that was for the maybe the Portland game. Um, where he got the assist on that one, so that was that was good. That was William from San Francisco, of course, Pokemon, because I say that that Boateng hasn't. He hadn't been good, and now he's playing well, Kevin. And I'm all for guys who play well after not playing well uh, and doing stuff. And and so far, uh, Emmanuel Boateng is starting to prove that maybe he's a starter, maybe. But I still think that him coming off the bench is just so dangerous. No, with with the the midfield situation, he's a definite starter in Portland. I, I don't see any way that he didn't start that game in Portland. I agree with that 100% in terms of going up to uh, to Portland and, and seeing what you can get out of him with the players that are probably going to be available. He's that starter, and he's going to be that's going to be good for him. Uh, it'll be good for the Galaxy because he really injects something. If you get Bradford Jamison playing there as well, Kevin, you have two speedy guys in there. Uh, you saw it a little bit at the end of this game, uh, this last game, this three nothing win over Real Salt Lake. So you can you can see that the the speed changes things, but it changes things because it's different. And so sometimes whenever you start with that, uh, teams can adjust, and then what do you have to come off the bench for that? 
uh, everything gets slower after that. So it's not as much of a change whenever you can bring these guys off the bench who have speed and, and, and could really do something. So that's that's my thought on it. We have one more call. Uh, Matt from Burbank checks in, and uh, he had a special question. Kevin, this one's directly for you. I know this for a fact. So he has, a, 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 a as he says, a not very serious question uh, for the Panda. So here it comes. What's up, Corner of the Galaxy? This is Matt in Burbank. I've got a very non-serious question for the Panda. Kevin, did you ever cover the Lakers when Ron Artest slash Metal Peace was with the team? And if so, are you the Panda that he's referring to when he changed his name to the Panda's friend while he was playing over in China? I'm currently looking online to see if the Panda-themed basketball shoes that Ron Artest once wore are being sold anywhere. I'll get back to you if I find any in extra medium or whatever your shoe size is. Love the show. Go Galaxy. All right, there you go. So, wow, how do you know my shoe size? Extra medium, he nailed it. I, I am not that panda um, for a couple of reasons. One is because the whole panda uh, um, name is, is relatively new. You were you were there, Josh. You were present on the podcast when it was born. So the panda name is relatively new. Um, that's one reason why uh, it's not linked to Ron Artest. Uh, the other thing, or Meta World Peace, and the other reason why is because I passion. Uh, every once in a while, I have to do a Laker or a Clipper game, but the idea of doing that for more than a couple of games in a row is nauseating to me. So I was definitely not around Meta World Peace long enough for him to give me any kind of nickname. All right, there we go. And, and Kevin, I believe that uh, perhaps our data allotment is, is starting to come up here because I feel the connection dropping as we get closer and closer to the end of the show. So perhaps they're listening in on the other line and they understand that it's time for us to wrap up as well. The LA Galaxy will play... Uh, in the U.S. Open Cup coming up on Friday. That game is at 8 p.m. Uh, look for streaming on LAGalaxy.com um, or on MLSsoccer.com or USsoccer.com. Uh, they will be out there right now. I don't have anything in front of me that tells me where it's going to be streamed, but it should be streamed on LAGalaxy.com. They should be sharing the Portland stream uh, that comes out of Providence Park. That game, again, Friday, June 15th, 8 p.m. Pacific time kickoff, U.S. Open Cup. The LA Galaxy trying to advance out of the round of 16 uh, and make it to the final eight teams in this, and, and perhaps a showdown with LAFC looming, if that is indeed the case. So the LA Galaxy will do that. Then they don't play again until June 30th. As we've talked about, they will travel away to uh, to San Jose Earthquakes, uh, and then they will ha- host uh, uh, DC United uh, on July 4th. Uh, DC United that, ju- that just... game, by the way, is at Stanford, just to oh, be clear. Yeah, 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 at Stanford Stadium. Did I not say that? Did I say it was at a No, you just oh. said at San Jose. Okay, that's a, yes. They play it, the Earthquakes at Stanford. Yes, they do, because they always like to cash in on the Galaxy coming up north. Uh, that is for sure. And that's when they do their fireworks for, like, J- July 4th is usually just before um, the the actual holiday because they don't get – they're not popular enough to get a July 4th game, Kevin. Um, they get they get they get the one that's just beforehand. They have to go somewhere. So so and the Galaxy home for July fourth for like the ninety seventh year in a row. I think they're always home for July fourth. Every year since their existence, they have had a July fourth yeah. game. So that's pretty good. And DC United just lost to Seattle. Uh, then you have Columbus Crew coming in, which will be interesting. Jossie's artist. Jossie's artist. Yeah, coming back on July seventh. That should be interesting. And then July fourteenth. It's hot and heavy once the Galaxy come back. 
you know, starting in June. This is whenever it really kicks off. Um, and uh, Siggy Schmidt, all the players talking about how the last game against Real Salt Lake was sort of the end of the first half of the season, and the second half of the season starts against San Jose uh, at Stanford Stadium on June 30th, and I think they've targeted that. So let's see what happens, U.S. Open Cup, then the break, uh, then coming back on June 30th, where the Galaxy will host uh, the San Jose Earthquakes. Like I said, live show on Wednesday night. You're going to want to keep up with that. And then on Monday, we will have a show where we'll talk to Kevin again. Uh, from, from, we hope. Yeah, we hope as long as the connection works as well as it did this. I'm amazed that it has stayed in there for so long. I know it's been dropping out just a little bit here at the end, Kevin, but it's been <laughs> quite honestly about as good as it is usually whenever you're here in the United States. So uh, so there, there's a plus. That's a win for us so far. Wow, this has been a short podcast. Well, I mean, it's been it's 55 minutes. It's not like we've it's not like we by the time all the credits roll, it's going to be darn well right near 60 minutes. So I think we did a pretty good job of all that. So, I mean, you you have World Cup. Uh, World Cup starts on Thursday. Uh, We'll get a little bit more of your take on that whenever we come back. But uh, I think, you know, so far, all of your nightmares that you imagined going to Russia there at least haven't materialized, even though they can't spell your name. Um, at Starbucks there, but they can't really do that here in the United States now, either, right? Mon- Monday will be June 18th, correct? It will be. Oh, there is a break in the World Cup schedule here in Moscow. There is not a game in Moscow, so all the Corner of the Galaxy listeners are in luck that I should be available if my hotel room Wi-Fi works. There we go. We'll see how it so works. So how about that? E- even, even FIFA is cooperating with Corner of the Galaxy at this point by scheduling their games in Moscow around the Corner of the Galaxy podcast schedule. We have that type of pool. I mean, that's how connected we are here at Corner of the Galaxy. We, we paid for the satellite coverage for this particular. We're beaming from COG Studios, our satellite dish, our large satellite array, up into space off of, uh, off of the International Space Station and the back down. 22,000 miles above mean sea level yes. in uh, geosynchronous orbit. There we go. That's exa- Just for Corner of the Galaxy. That's exactly how it's going. All right. Uh, anything else for you, Kevin? You good? Dashvidanya. All right. Mr. Kevin Baxter in Russia. If you're looking for him, of course, on Twitter at KBaxter11, that's where you can find him. Of course, head on over to LATimes.com where you can find all of his World Cup coverage. Again, that tournament kicks off on June 14th, like you needed me to tell you that. Uh, that should be very interesting, but we're glad Kevin could join us from uh, from Moscow and uh, and talk to us a little bit. Uh, and then, of course, if you're looking for me on Twitter at JGuessman, J-G-U-E-S-M-A-N, and of course, at Galaxy Podcast is where you can find me. Head on over to cornerofthegalaxy.com for all of our Galaxy coverage uh, and all of our show schedules as well. Live show on Wednesday. That's when we'll see you. Wendy Thomas and I will be uh, back to discuss and get you ready for that U.S. Open Cup game. All right, for Mr. Kevin Baxter all the way in Russia, I'm Josh Gessman from right here in the United States. You're listening to Corner of the Galaxy from the Box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. Have a great one, everybody. You've been listening to the Corner of the Galaxy from the Box podcast cornerofthegalaxy.com You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Galaxy Podcast and be sure to check out and subscribe to iTunes, Stitcher and Facebook by searching for Corner of the Galaxy And for all of your independent LA Galaxy news, discussion and entertainment including this podcast head on over to cornerofthegalaxy.com Fans, thanks for listening We ask that you be kind and courteous to your neighbors as you leave the podcast We thank you for joining us and look forward to seeing you again. Until then, I'm Michael Araujo, and on behalf of the entire Corner of the Galaxy crew, goodbye, everybody.